to Agronomy for Farmer Success, a podcast brought to you by Osmus Farm Supply. Today in the Osmus Farm Supply podcast studio, we have Bill Schrader, Osmus Farm Supply's Seed Department Manager, and Todd Clausen with Midwest Seeds. That are going to have a three-part series. The first episode in this series is going to cover a recap of what was seen in the 2020 growing season. Episode two of this series will cover some pests that they have seen and concerns that they have, weed management concerns they saw in 2020 and how to address them for 2021, and a recap of the Draco storm that affected some Iowa farms. The third episode in this podcast is information on gearing up for the 2021 growing season. As always, if you have additional questions in this podcast episode or any other, please contact your Auspice Farm Supply Agronomist. All right, good morning. Uh, my name is Bill Schrader, uh, manager of the seed department here at Osmus Farm Supply. Today, I'm doing a podcast with a guy that I've admired for a long time. I'm just tickled that he joined me today. Um, I have Todd Clausing with me from Midwest Seeds. The thing I really like about Todd is not only does he bring strong agronomic knowledge to conversations he has with me and growers, but he also relates it uh, in a very common way that people can understand. So I'm just tickled to have Todd here today with us. Todd, could you give us a little bit of background about yourself and maybe tell us how you came to Midwest Seeds and what you like about the company? Well, good morning and thank you. Um, I'm honored to be here and uh, I really appreciate you reaching out and, and inviting me to take part in, uh, in, in the Osmus podcast system. So. Yeah, very quickly, um, I'm a farmer, born and raised. Uh, spent my entire career in agronomy and seed agronomy, for, for that matter. I will be going into my 33rd season as a professional agronomist in 2021. Uh, will be my 25th season in the state of Iowa, or predominantly in the state of Iowa. And within that time, uh, I'm also going to put in my 22nd corn crop, so I farm as well. And I'm probably the cheapest German farmer. I know. <laughs> but I've got, I've got, I've got a, a long tenure. Um, I spent uh, two different, two different packages of time with two major seed companies in the industry today, uh, ten years and eight years respectively. And then I also have uh, six years of experience in retail agronomy here in the state of Iowa, Central Iowa. So I came from retail to this organization, um, had the opportunity, uh, was reached out, and this is a Don Funk organization, and um, I'm not a Don Funk legacy employee, uh, but I've always admired uh, the capacity and the functionality of which he really brought forth into the seed business, a, a, different, a different mantra and a different cadence than what we see today. So I was just pleased to have the opportunity to to do something new, reach out, uh, be non-corporate, and launch launch a completely different brand. Although it, although it's a legacy brand, Midwest Seed Genetics mm-hmm. was a brand in the '80s and '90s, mm-hmm. and um, then was part of Channel BioCorp. Monsanto then acquired Channel, and uh, we have in the last three and a half years reacquired the brand back and launched in November of seventeen. So I'm tickled to have the opportunity to be, to be a part of it and uh, really pleased that we have the opportunity to be partners with Osmus Farm Supply. I mean that. I guess I should reiterate, um, Midwest has grown into one of our seed partners here at Osmus Farm Supply. 
uh, performance has been excellent in the plots and in the fields. I believe this is like the third year that we've been representing the Midwest Seed brand, and we had it in our plots before that. And so thank you again. Obviously, you've got a wealth of knowledge. Um, you know, I thought maybe today we'd just talk about a few things that you've seen because you cover a lot of area across Iowa, across the Midwest, actually. And I thought maybe what we would start out doing is just talking a little bit about 2020. What stood out in your mind about the 2020 growing season? Maybe two before we start on that, Todd, tell us the area that you cover because you look at a lot of things for a lot of people across the Midwest. Yeah, so within my capacity, um, I work with both brands. So we're a, we're a multi-brand organization. So east of the Missouri River will be Midwest Seed Genetics. If we go west, our western brand is NC Plus Hybrids. So uh, collectively today, we're about 11 states that we're marketing into. So I can be anywhere from Amarillo to Fargo, from uh, Twin Cities south to Paducah, Kentucky. Uh, we, are, we are upgrading our support system. Um, so I will spend more of my time in the western half of Iowa and the eastern half of Nebraska. I'll probably spend 60 or 70% of my time there. And then we'll still overarchingly lead our entire agronomy program. And then also I'm heavily involved with our commercial corn direction. So I do. I get to see a lot of states. Um, historically, my, uh, my experience has been 60% Iowa, 30% uh, Nebraska, 10 to 15% Minnesota, a little bit of South Dakota, a little bit of Illinois. So okay. I get to see a lot of, uh, a lot of different uh, environments. So I get to see a lot of different crops. But uh, we are, we're corn and soybeans. But a majority of the corn belt, I would say, then based on what you described to me there. Yeah, so see big acres. Maybe we could start, start out by talking about the weather effects from last year and what, what ramifications that had for the 2020 crop. The things that really stuck out, stuck out to you. Um, yeah, so when you think about what sticks out to me is not just 2020, but the the opposition or the opposite looks that 2019 had to 2020. Sure. Think about the last two years. I believe that they are, how would you characterize them? A, a series of relative extremes. Mm -hmm. and, and, and as I think about 2019 and 2020, just think about the early season. Well, you really didn't have an early season in 2019. You think about, think about all the corn that went in the last week of May or the first week of June. Yeah. Completely opposite of than what we saw in 2020. And so as, so as you fast forward into 2020, I, I, I think, so I'll start right there with what the planting season, what the tillage season, how the season began. We saw corn in the ground in the state of Iowa on April the 1st. Right. Not very far from there. Highway, highway through yeah. Corridor, April, April the 1st. Yes. And people are going, hey, um, that's kind of crazy. Have you seen the forecast? And you think about that forecast in the first part of April. Um, it, it did get relatively extreme. And, and, and I think about the 2020 planting season as a whole. Uh, so I've done this, I'm going into my 33rd year, but it, it, it set two different records that, that were personal for me. Um, number one, we saw corn in the ground 33 days before emergence. Yes. Uh, I, think about, I think about my father planting corn, man, and once it got past 15 or 16 days, you started getting extremely nervous. Uh, this corn, uh, the corn that I'm talking about in specific, it did. It planted on April the 1st. It, it dropped at 34,300, and we finaled it at uh, 33,000 plants per acre. 
but still 33 days in the ground. Um, so in the ground, drop back in temperature, and you realize that every year when you plant corn in the state of Iowa, once we start planting corn, our soil temperatures always go backwards. Are we putting too much pressure on the seed companies and the hybrids? Are we expecting too much from some of them hybrids to withstand those cold temps and stay in the ground that long? I know we've made huge strides. You said you've been in the industry for 33 years, and I've been in, in, in the industry for over 20. The germ testing, the cold germ process that all these seed companies go through, I mean, it is remarkable. And what we place for expectations on these hybrids is really significant, but it seems like they respond. You know, I used to be worried about people planting too early and caution them and worry about the next 48 hours after the seed was in the ground. That was always something that was um, hit home with me. A lot of people emphasize that first 48 hours after you put the seed in, the moisture that it imbibes can affect the, the germination. But, you know, more and more, as you mentioned, this April 1st planting date, um, people are becoming more confident. And I've told people if the ground conditions are fit, you need to look at planting. Yeah. Um, it seems like these cold germ tests and the, the way the hybrids are able to withstand cool conditions for a long period of time, it's pretty remarkable compared to where we were 20, 30 years ago. And I think it's of uh, the utmost importance as well. Mm -hmm. Genetics say, what do you say? Are we, are we putting, do we have too much of an expectation? Is there too much pressure? And there is not, not, not genetically, not on, the, not on the germ test and not on the genetic or the DNA capability. That, that's not the case. The, what, what, what does get pressured is what is that quality like? So when, when you think about quality, we all assume quality in hybrid seed corn and soybean varieties. Farmers just make that assumption. Okay, so what are the what are the indicators of quality? Uh, so for me, it's it's four facets. It's warm germ, it's cold germ, it's cold saturation germ, and then it's pericarp integrity or pericarp damage. Pericarp being that outer coating that envelops all the contents of the of the kernel itself, right? Mm -hmm. And um, so warm germ, as an example, warm germ is stated on the bag tag, and it's the only, the only quality indicator on the bag tag. So, what what is the standard for warm germ? Mm -hmm. Standard's ninety five percent. Right, right. So everything's tagged there, ninety five or ninety five plus. So when you think about warm germ, and how is warm germination arrived at? So you take a you take a big stainless steel tray, and you drop a somewhat of a paper towel mat on it. Uh, you have a you have a soil medium and you place 100 seeds usually into that soil medium and then you apply about 30% moisture. Right? Drop that into a growth chamber at 77 degrees for 7 days. The first the, the, the first structure that emerges from the seed is the radical that's germination. So on each of those seeds, the radical pops out, well, you've got germination rate. 77 degrees, that's warm germ. Mm -hmm. That's important if you're planting on June the 17th. Right. It's pretty warm soil, right? Right, right. So then cold germ, um, just exactly what it says. I mean, so you have the same, you have the, you have the same instance, the same setup. So you've got your tray, you've got your paper towel, the soil median, 100 seeds. 30% of that saturation into that soil median, and now you put it in a growth chamber at 50 degrees for seven days. 
pull it out, then you put it into a warm candy refrigerator. Okay? Mm-hmm. Now if the radical is popped out, now you have cold chain. Still a pretty good test, but the real test is cold saturation test. Mm-hmm. And now you have the same setup with the exception of you're 100% saturated. So you're now in an anaerobic condition. So that would mimic, that would mimic what, what you could consider April the 13th through the 23rd of 2020. Mm-hmm. Saturated conditions, plummeting temperatures, cold. So that goes into a cold chamber uh, for seven days. Then it comes out, it goes into a warm chamber until the, the three major structures coming out of the cold tube are normal. And so that begins, the radical goes down, the sheet goes up, and then the three centimeters come out. Those cold saturation testing. Mm-hmm. And I believe, and I would suggest that every, every farm operation out there, when seed arrives on your farm, pull a sample out of every lot number, send it to, send it to a testing lab. You could use SODAC labs in Brookings, South Dakota, SGS in Brookings, uh, Nebraska Crop Improvement. There's a lot of different laboratories that you could use. Get a cold saturation test and a Paracar container. Uh, I would suggest that. You can get mm-hmm. that from 35 to $55. And so now, uh, I ask this question a lot. I say, well, have you ever planted corn before federal crop date? And nobody ever does. And nobody ever has. But then I always ask the question, do you have a neighbor? you have a dangle neighbor? Yeah, but there's a neighbor out there. <laughs> Just like you're the cheapest farmer, right? I know. But, but, but think about <laughs> that. Uh, so you're going to plant corn, and conditions are good. Corn for me, you plant based on conditions. And if it's, uh, if it's April 10th or if it's May 10th, if conditions are right, that's when you play. But right. If you're going to plant early, conditions are good, and you don't want to miss out on that opportunity to plant in great conditions. But your forecast is going to be 44 for a high and 36 for a low. Right. Which happens and mm-hmm. can happen often. Right. So what do I plant first? You plant the one with the best quality. You plant the one sure. with the best cold chain. Sure. Well, I don't have that. Yeah. So I, th- I, I, think it, I think it on every farm ends up being a really, really nice management tool. And if you don't have that cold saturation test, we can supply you with the cold germ test itself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if, if, if a farm needs that, we can supply that for you. How do you prioritize that? Todd, you made a good point. I mean, the soil conditions are really good. You want to go out and plant. But there is that next 48, 96 hours where they're calling for the cold temps. What do you, how do you make that decision as a farmer? I mean, you're an agronomist, you farm. What, do you, what goes through your mind before you make that decision? Yeah, it's... Um, I use a scenario like this to give you an example. So you're in the field, it's, uh, it's April the 20th, conditions are pretty good, and uh, you've got clouds coming up out of the southwest. Mm-hmm. What's your right hand doing? You keep inching forward, right? Right, and, right. And, and you're looking at your radar, and you're thinking, man, I can get this in today. Yeah. So you punch it. Uh, you get it in, you pull out, you fold it up, you're heading down the road, mm-hmm. and it just starts to break open. It goes from 65 degrees to 45 degrees, mm-hmm. and it starts to rain. And you think, yes, perfect, mm-hmm. I got it in. Will likely be, that scenario will be the worst planning date that you have. Yeah. Uh, it, so, well, you know, the, 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 the scenario we're talking about is chilling in the bushing. Mm-hmm. So the first... 24 hours is really important, but 48 hours would, would even be more safe of what's that first moisture that hybrid seed corn will imbibe. Um, 
take it as an example, hybrid sweet corn is going to be ten and a half to eleven percent moisture, so it is dehydrated. Mm-hmm. So the first moisture that comes into that, and in hybrid sweet corn, takes thirty percent of its weight in water for germination to take place. You, you think, well, thirty percent? Yeah, because what has to take up that moisture is the embryo, which is the the point, the the bottom point of, of that seed. Thirty percent of the seed, on average, is embryo, and then the other seventy percent is the endosperm or the carbohydrate that mm-hmm. provides the energy to that plant on and off. So you drop that seed into the ground, and if the first moisture is that 42-degree cold rain that comes in on it, and think about it, it's known as imbibition. So it's not just absorption, it's imbibition. So it's it's rehydrating that seed at a, at a rapid pace. And what happens when you dehydrate that seed is if you look at hybrid corn seed, or think about think about looking at um, sweet corn seed that really gets shriveled up. Right. Well, if you put that in water, you will see that seed expand, and so those cells have to expand, and they'll expand rapidly because it is a flood of moisture, relatively speaking, coming into mm-hmm. that seed. And what will happen if that water is too cold? The cell membranes in those cells that have to expand rapidly and rehydrate can rupture and burst. When that happens. Nothing else will happen then in that seed. It, it, it won't germ. Radical won't come out. Plumule or the shoot will not come out as well. Interesting problem that the farmers faced. Um, we can pick a day like you just mentioned. Go out there. It might be the worst planting day of the year. They want to hit the ideal conditions. Maybe the soil is just right. And we know that uh, nowadays with the equipment people have, the larger planters, the high-speed planters, so many acres can go in in just one day's time. So making that decision is really tough for a farmer. You can have a lot of eggs in one basket and it can really benefit you or it can hurt you. So it's it's an interesting problem that we'll have year to year. Um, and you know, I think about this, um, I ask a lot of questions when I'm, when I'm in groups and, and I ask people, uh, have you ever planted corn when it's too cold or too wet? Yeah. yeah, but you have a neighbor that will, right? Right. If, if, if it's too cold or if it's too wet, especially if it's too wet, pull out, change your meters, go plant soybeans. Yeah. Because remember, corn's all about conditions, and soybean is all about time. Yes, yes, right. right. Yeah, I think I think it's more important with the corn that you have the right conditions versus the temperatures. Um, corn will be resilient to that, especially... If, we talked about that first moisture it imbibes. If we don't have that really cold dose of moisture, it's usually pretty resilient after that point. So, and, the, and those planting days for corn, you can you can achieve one hundred percent of performance potential in a twenty to twenty, almost twenty five day period. Right. From you know, consider it April twentieth through May fifteenth, you can still get one hundred percent of potential performance. Mm-hmm. Again, so. So waiting for good conditions is hard. And I know waiting waiting one day can make all the difference in the world. Right. But waiting one day can also drive a guy insane. So, oh, oh yeah, especially when that neighbor is across the fence line. That's hard. Yeah, but it, conditions are paramount for corn simply because the, the, the objective when you're planting corn is to have every plant look like every other plant. Picket fence. Okay, so depth spacing mm-hmm. uh, we, we talked about quality and cold germ right and quality and cold germ and resilience of that seeds capability to withstand is directly proportional to uniformity coming out of the ground as well 
but conditions. So if you're out there and you're 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 a bit wet, you smear the sidewall. You leave a you leave an air pocket in with that seed. You have a lack of seed to soil contact, and so some seed will germinate. It'll have enough moisture, and those plants will come up and out of the ground. You've got pockets of air. They don't have enough moisture. They dry a little bit. Well, then they come out three or four or five days later. Does mm-hmm. does that does that come with a penalty? It certainly does. It certainly does. And think, yeah. think about think about a two day separation. Mm-hmm. So you have two plants. They're 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 almost six inches apart. One comes up, one comes up today, and one comes up two days from now. What's the penalty for that plant that comes up two days from now? It's about a hundred kernels. Mm-hmm. On, on an ear that'll put on seven hundred to seven hundred twenty kernels. Right. That's pretty significant. I mean, it's a it, it is an it's an aggressive grass species, and it will out out shade out eat out drink that later plant its entire life. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, so that uniformity is imperative, and, and to get that to get the best uniformity you can possibly get, you need to have the best conditions you, that, that that are possible. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. No, I totally agree. Well, good thoughts on <clears throat> on planting conditions and what you saw. So the disparity from 19 to 20, I mean, that's what really struck you, just the differences in conditions probably. This concludes episode one of this series. Episode two will go into details on pests, weed management, and other information seen in Thank you for listening to Agronomy for Farmer Success. If you'd like any additional information, please contact your trusted Osmus Farm Supply agronomist. Please make sure to subscribe to Agronomy for Farmer Success on your podcast player of choice, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Pandora, and more to be notified when new episodes become available.